Hi guys, and welcome back to You're on Crackmate, the podcast where we delve into films, television series, and whatever takes our fancy, really, analysing and reviewing them to the point where we've actually been told, you're on Crackmate. This week, uh, I have to re-feckin' record an episode because Carol lost all of the audio on her side. It's so upsetting. Like, we recorded this back in, like, early March, and I wanted to get it out to you all <coughs> because I like to stick to my... Da- the daggers I am being stared over this Zoom call right now. Hi, Carol. <laughs> Can we just clarify that it was not me? That firstly, we need to clarify that we are now recording this in June and my original notes from this film were made on the 28th of February. So we recorded on, like, you know, the very beginning of March because we recorded around purge time. Um, and... You know, I still have my notes. I still also have my audio recording. So if you'd rather just release that on its own, I think it'd be grand, to be honest I think, do you know what? I'm going to release that as a Patreon special. And this is not me plugging the Patreon. This is like, guys, if you listen to that podcast, mm-hmm. that like you, you'll be like, you know, yeah, I don't think we actually missed Sean this week. I think they're, this, is, this is a wonderful monologue on the Purge election year. From the wonderful Dr. Carol Quigley. Um, but I am I am going to say so that. When, oh, yeah, yeah. No, you go. You go. Yeah. When the pauses are in, in, you know, don't take them out. Just leave them there to, to allow people time to digest whatever it is I'm saying. I like that, yeah. Plus, like, the longest pause, you know, which will be yeah. the longest time I was able to speak, would be, what, five seconds? So, you know, it'll be grand. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um... So, yes, so, right, the gremlins of the universe got into... Guys, back up your files, back them up, back them up, and then when you think you've backed them up, back it up once more. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but, it does give us a couple of lovely opportunities. Opportunity to speak and do a podcast again, which I'm delighted, because I always love having you on on your own podcast. Um, And... Then I also got a chance to like actually watch the film this time. I just winged it last time. So, I mean, that was grand. Um, I'm, of course, joking, by the way. Um, of course. But it, I, I am, I will say, I am glad now that because I've had a little more time to sit with the film, I've obviously re-watched it, but to sit with the film now, I kind of, some bits I've revised my opinion of and some have actually, I've doubled down on, which... I think it's positive. I will say, spoiler, I like this film. But but what did I say? And actually, I remember when when we recorded this originally, and I was really wor- I got really worried then because in recording the other two, when we'd watch the the other two films first, and I was like, no, wait, you get to election year, wait, you get to election year, wait, you get there. And then I remember we started recording. You were like, no, I no, I get it, I yep. get it, it's all good. So yeah, that's good. And. Yeah, it is. Sometimes it is nice to kind of sit with something for a while. And I mean, I will always find, and this is the this is the theatre academic in me, but I will always find that something that I enjoy, I will get something different out of every time I see it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I definitely, we, we, we shall discuss as we go on. We shall discuss as we okay. go on. Now, we have to keep this chronological because I'm going over three-month-old notes, three-and-a-half-month-old notes, so I have to, like, go through my notes in time because I can't remember where I wrote Are everything. Are you telling me you didn't re-watch the film in advance of this podcast? 
No, because I'm at the end of the world's longest academic year and Fair. trying to get through. We've we've finally gone through exam boards today. And to be honest with you, like I, I don't know what day of the week it is. Well, not that anybody has for the last 15 months, but like I really don't at the moment because this academic year has been... Like if anybody's listened to this and they're a student, yes, it's been rough for students. I fully appreciate that. But my God, it has been rough for academic staff. Uh, so, so yeah. are you telling me that right now, this evening, mm-hmm. if the sirens went off, would you feel the need to purge mm-hmm. this evening? Um, no, because I've made it through exam boards. I mean, if you asked me about a week ago, possibly, because I'd be like, why is there more admin? Why is there more grading? Why does it never end? Oh, I... Like there's there's stuff I miss about be, being a student. Obviously, I I being on the other side, I I haven't done uh, mm. the academic side of it, but I have done the student side of it. And there is uh, there's stuff I miss about being a student, and there's stuff I seriously mm-hmm. don't miss about being a student. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it would be it would also be slightly naive. I was going to say like you know oh well I get to do the drinking and partying side of it as if there isn't a secret bar in every single college. Um, there definitely are in some. Um, there isn't one that I know of where I currently work, but then I mightn't be cool enough. So that's possibly the problem. Also, I don't need to worry about that because my very cool students bring me to like cool bars in Limerick that are kind of wonderfully Irish and Irish bar. Like there's a bar that we go to where um, we, we go kind of uh, rap parties after shows and stuff like that. I don't go out drinking with my students every week. That, that I'm, I'm talking end of year. Uh, kind of you, you said but, it, um, I didn't. Yeah. But there's a bar that we go to where, um, like, you can buy a, t- a tin of um, a tin of fruit, or you know, a garden shovel and stuff like that, like behind the bar. Like, it's just it's wonderful. So I'm I'm probably t- not cool enough for the staff stuff, and I'm 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 cool enough to be brought with my students to cool places. I, I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. And we're gonna put a pin in that because that is something I'm gonna I'm gonna grill you for information about that. Uh, when we're off recording but for now I'm going to grillo uh, you about this yeah. film see what you did there yeah I can't remember now how much I did it in um, did it before about Grillo or, or do it here but like Frank Grillo is life Frank Grillo is correct Frank Grillo is wonderful Frank Grillo can't put a foot wrong I'm all about Frank Grillo, um, and yeah, even we, me and Stephen watched something, um, watched a film uh, over the weekend called Body Broker. It's a new one out. Oh, it's on Netflix. You watch I've, it. No, yeah, I've not seen it. I've seen the trailer. I, I, I have to do. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting concept. Um, it's based on true events, so it's not a true story, but it's based on true events. It's essentially about insurance fraud in order to take advantage of. Um, drug users um, to make loads of money off them and Grillo is is the absolute villain he's the kingpin he's the one who's running the whole show and making all the money and like he dressed like a villain he looks like a villain and I'm still like do you know what you're Grillo though you're all good I should listen like some of the mobsters in the Godfather are looking alright 
You know, like sometimes, yeah. sometimes a baddie. Yeah, but what's weird is I, but what's weird is I don't fancy him. It's not because even I was discussing this with Stephen. I was like, he's not my type. Like I, do, I'm not attracted to. He's an attractive man. I'm not attracted to him. But there's just something charismatic about him or something. Anyway, Grillo is delightful. He in this he film. he is. I know. I have to like I wonderful. I I fancy him at this one. Um, so we we'll do we we'll do a really 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 quick. So unfortunately for the poor listeners, it's been. A while yeah. since the first two episodes about this came out which i will link in the description mm-hmm. to this episode so i would recommend guys yeah. just go back um probably should have said this at the start but do go back and have a listen to those um mm-hmm. and but really really quickly purge one uh you see the purge from the rich people's point of view purge mm-hmm. two where we're introduced to frank grillo uh we get to see it mm-hmm. from basically poor people's point of view and purge election year it's sort of a cross between the poor people's point of view and political sides. Yeah. And actually finally um, looking at how to move on past a purge. Also looking at people who've kind of grown up with a purge or, you know, um, who've, for example, our (laughs) favourite character, Candy Gal. Um, like she would have been born with the purge yes. in existence because this film the opening the very opening scene which sets up who the main character is is from 2022 but this film is set in 2040 so this is um 2022 would have been what like the fifth purge so this is lots later so you know you would have teenagers who know nothing else and stuff like that and it's very embedded in a way that in the first two films it's still a bit like getting used to the idea there's so there's one thing that i'm satisfied with this as an explanation but i will understand if people aren't there is Mm -hmm. a time issue between film two and film three so the official explanation has that there's only about two or three years between film two and film three and yet this is the 18th Mm -hmm. purge Mm -hmm. which and yet the second film there is a reference to i think it actually says it's only a couple of years after the first film basically it's all a bit woolly but this one as you say that it is kind of established no no no, this has a year this has a timeline Mm -hmm. um uh, and i i think because this was almost going to be another film so just really quickly so this was almost going to be another story altogether initially this was going to be the prequel film um and so the first purge which obviously follows this one but is a prequel was going to be part three then Mm -hmm. uh writer director james demonico uh scored the hit of a century when frank grillo said actually i'd like to do another one and he was like Mm -hmm. well hold on now and i for one i'm even it there it does create a slight timeline issue but no it doesn't Okay, we 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 we, we, we yeah, because I think this is this is one thing we discussed the last day as well. And you remember how I explained this away? Because you were like Frank Grillo looks about five minutes older than he does in the second film, and I said, yeah, Paul Rudd. True. Eminem. So yeah, so I I, I, I had mean? a little look there. So this this film and the second film are only two or three years apart, but the yeah. uh, the, the years now I am nit- I am nitpicking there are there are other, okay, no I am nitpicking mm-hmm. okay just because I was like right I'm gonna hang a lampshade on that that is something that if one were to watch this and go hold on don't worry I'm right there with you boo 
Yeah, but I think it's fine because of the way they establish it with the with the opening scene, and you know she's a teenager in that, and then you know she has to be significant. Well, that older. that I totally find. So, Carol. Yeah. The first scene annoys me. This is something that has changed from the last time. Okay. So go on. And Tell it's us. actually it's entirely laid on the blame of whoever did the ADR for the perjure in that scene. I noticed it far more this time than I did the first time is that it's so clearly ADR. Like this is this is someone sitting in a sound booth talking into a microphone. It's I don't know whether this was almost like it was added after what well, very almost like the scene was an afterthought which it can't be for the plot. But there's there's it doesn't sound like he's wearing a ma- he's wearing a full face mask doesn't sound like he's wearing a mask. It's so are you saying that this is like the, the the 19 years later at the end of Harry Potter, that she knew in her head she had to go there and do it, but she wrote it really badly? A bit, yeah. There is a- we knew it had to exist in order to set up who and why um, the senator, uh, who and why she is who she is and all the rest of it, but that it just wasn't the, done The well. execution of the scene, pardon the pun, yeah. Um, was not I don't think it was handled very well that's n- <laughs> it's got to sound weird uh, all respect to the four victims sitting on the couch I mean it's not on them they don't really have an awful lot to do what they do is very good Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. the perjure doesn't have an awful lot to do because it certainly sounds like what happened on set that day and what was recorded in the audio booth What the left hand didn't talk to the right hand I'm gonna th- I'm gonna put this on you here. Go for it. Okay. Given the situation we are in with our re-record, is it possible that the scene, the sound recording when it was recorded, did not happen correctly, and then somebody said, "Oh no, we're now offset and need to fix this." Here, lob in an owl re-record. We'll throw it over there and hope for the best. So therefore, vis-a-vis, throw a it's mask on you. on you. At least sound like you're wearing a mask. That's the only thing. And the only reason I think it sticks at me is because it's the opening scene. I think if it had come later in the film, yeah, fair. Uh, the film does an excellent yeah, job of I'm setting not, up no, the I, atmosphere. I get it. I, I'm okay with it because for me, that scene is so much about this concept of having a purge playlist, this concept of the premeditation, which obviously we've talked about before in terms of how is that not illegal and all the rest of it. This concept of the purge playlist, the actual music chosen, um, the fact that it's mimicking or mirroring kind of the home invasion that we've seen in the first film, that whole, the whole overarching thing and idea behind it and how she got her motivation and all the rest of it and the glasses thing, which obviously... Do you remember the last time I had a thing about then the glasses coming off and you know how that's that's very important for me. Um so because of that overall thing, I'm I'm with it, I'm down with it. But I get what you mean about you being like Akbon, like gives a bit kind of higher production. That's and and that. it's kind of petty as it sounds, that's my problem with the scene. I, I agree with you completely yeah. in terms of setting up the character. I think it's a great job. And we don't need to I, I agree with the decision. You, you know what's going to happen. You don't need to see... Like, there's plenty of... You know, for the Blood and Guts fans out there, this film delivers, don't worry. Um, yeah. Because, funnily enough, as you watch them in a sequence, if you were to watch the scene, it'd be like, hang on, is this the PG-13 version? 
You know, it, the camera, you know, the, the scene ends before we get to play the game that the purger wants to play, which is yeah. um, mommy gets to choose who lives, which is a horrific, obviously, idea. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. But but it's yeah, it's 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 for me, it's like um, it's like a Batman origin scene. It needs to exist. And anybody who thinks the Batman origin scene in BVS is superfluous or not absolutely stunning. Oh, uh, I will actually, 100%, I agree with you. The Batman origin scene in BVS, mm. to me, is potentially my favourite version of watching Thomas and Martha Wayne die. Because we've so many, many examples of watching Thomas mm. and Martha Wayne die. But Zack mm. Snyder is many things. He's not a writer. But he is a very, very good visual artist. And we will, and on another day, we will discuss that in, in more depth. Um, and I will get everybody cancelled because I think people... That's all, I'm cutting that line. Film. So, uh, joke. <laughs> um, Charlie Roan. What do we think? Yeah. Okay. She's fab. She's great. Um, I think she's. I mean, look, performance-wise, um, you know, she's. Oh, she's I like solid it, yeah. Liz- Elizabeth Mitchell, right? So, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so we're sound with all of that. Um, I think she's an interesting and important choice for this type of role in that she is a woman, and it matters incredibly that she is a woman. Um, but she is a white woman, and that also really matters. I, I, I think it, if any, if she was played by a woman of color, I think. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm trying to phrase this carefully. I don't think the film would have potentially not that it wouldn't have hit as hard. It absolutely would have. I think where the world was in 2016, it was mm-hmm. far, it was far less likely that a woman of colour would ever be in the White House. Now, thankfully, history is laughing at that idea, which is great. Um, but even though it was set in the future, this was set against the backdrop of the Clinton-Trump election. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that it's important to show that her job is much harder because she's a woman and kind of, you know... Um, the c word yeah. is used against her and um that kind of language and you know the fact that she's a woman and you, you know even in the in the public debate um she can't keep her mouth shut you know it's it's really really important that she is a woman um but i think you know it's it's parallels with hillary and i actually think she's proving the point that in being a woman her job has automatically become so much harder because she has that extra level of vitriol that we've seen you know that we yeah. saw thrown at Hillary that, that we, we see we see thrown at all women you know even if you look at um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez like she receives obviously trolling and abuse by the very nature of being quite a liberal um, politician and all the rest of it but she receives a, a massively gendered element and aspect to it and we, we know that so I think it's incredibly important that Charlie is a woman but I think I actually think it's more realistic that she's a white woman and that, you know, even that that she came from, of course, her, her family were murdered in a horrendous way and all the rest of it, and that's awful, but she did come from a privileged background, which then, you know, you, 
that that sounds awful given that her family were murdered but what I mean is that there's the implication that after her family was murdered she would have been mm. left money or whatever in order to help her to, to get into the position that she's in so I think it, it's important that she's blonde and it's important that she's objectively attractive uh, because to a lot of the kind of closet misogynist liberals of which there are a lot she's more palatable in the same way like if we look at say um, the marriage equality referendum in Ireland that became about middle class educated white gay men primarily I mean I can't I can't argue that Pre- like, yeah yeah yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't about lesbians. It wasn't about trans people. It wasn't about people of color. It wasn't about gender non-binary people. It was about people who look like, you know, um, the likes of Leo Varadkar. Now, obviously, he's a man of color, but is in incredible uh, privileged kind of position within Ireland and that kind of thing. You know, it 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 was very much about that kind of. And this sounds awful, but palatable gay, that good gay versus bad queer, that kind of it's a the you know, idea. An idea. Yeah, it, um, like I for a while worked in marketing every single thing that you see is pre-chosen if it's on a screen if it's on a billboard everything is pre-chosen and they will have done research it will be and I know it sounds like we're being maybe quite harsh you know and very kind of you know it is it is the way of it is absolutely the way of things Um, and I look look I am a woman I am a white woman. As a woman, I experience discrimination in in various forms and, you know, kind of consciously, unconsciously, all the rest of it. As a white woman, I experience incredible privilege, insurmountable privilege. You know what I mean? So I think this matters because she becomes palatable to some of the more centre-leading right people, um, but also to the the closet misogynist liberal men liberal white men and i also think she sets she's set up nicely as kind of a good juxtaposition to carmelo's character and kind of this idea that she um dante and carmelo this idea that she's Mm. the public face of essentially the same thing they're they're both looking for the same thing albeit through different means but that she's the palatable public face end goal might be the same but there is there, it's not not an issue. There, there is an issue. There, there is one thing I picked up slightly more this time around, and this is not so much a criticism, but she is. She's ideal, which is fine. She is naive. Um. Oh yeah, and it's it frustrating. Gets fru- it, it gets, gets frustrating. frustrating. She needs to be for her position because, because if you don't have a degree of naivety about you, you would. Yeah. arguably slide into the more pessimistic side of things which I feel yeah. Carmelo and Dante Bishop both are written as the more pessimistic you know we will only find mm. peace at the end of the mm. uh, you know thanks to the barrel of a gun um, yeah yeah, yeah it, it annoys me at the beginning when Grillo is saving her from her gaff when you know we've the first lads breaking in and all the rest of it I'm cool with the naivety there because I'm like do you know what she really didn't think they'd go to this level or she really didn't not trust people to this level he's ex-LAPD he's super whopper deadly 
I'm down with, that's fine. That's literally his job to save her there. It becomes a little bit frustrating when she goes to the, now this mm-hmm. is me saying we go chronologically, but you're listening, here we are. It becomes frustrating when she goes to the, um, mm. the underground hospital and she's like, what? You're going to blow up the founding fathers? And you're like, hon. If, Seriously? But, but, this but is also, where we're I mean, at. if they do that, they hand you a win. You just say you knew nothing. Anyway, right. Anyway. Um, but yeah, okay, so, yeah. But yeah, but, but I, I, I really like the character. I think she's well cast. I think in general, she's very strong and very solid. Um, I like most things about her. And I think it is important it, because this is essentially in some ways a political mm-hmm. thriller, the, dare I say it. Um, it's yeah, important actually, that she I'm, is I wouldn't rush is. to disagree with you calling it a political thriller. Like, it may be... Mm. It more slashery, say, than like the Day of the Jackal is, or something like that. But doesn't mean. I mean, it, it is quite heavy-handed by its very nature uh, in its political themes. I mean, there is no ambiguity as to who's the good guys and who's the bad guys in this, which is fine. It, it yeah. didn't. It, like yeah. we we're we're three films in at this stage. We know what side the the narrator, the audience are supposed to be on. You know, so that's fine. Um, which I think mm. but the fact is also that there are some people who may watch this and go that sounds like a great idea do you know what I mean we we again are living in our lovely liberal leftist echo chamber here and we go well obviously this purge I don't need to see it to know it's a terrible idea but there there's a not insignificant amount of yeah. people who would disagree um, with us so. which is sobering but not entirely shocking um this one, yeah. so we, we kind of open up with her in the middle of a debate and of course the other front runner is not just a member of the New Founding Fathers but he is specifically a religious figure because I think it makes perfect sense not to make it an attack against religion but let's be realistic, the most likely person to win a presidential election in the United States in 2016 was somebody who, hand on the Bible... Uh, appeal to the, you know, the. Uh, Even if you yelled at him, so yeah. uh, this is this is this is an incredibly mm-hmm. strange step back in time, as well, because there are some thoughts in this that people thought would never come to pass, and yet. Um, yeah, but but sure, listen. I mean, when whatever year it was that Theresa May um, became prime minister, that would have been 2015, 2016. Dean. 16 probably because Cameron basically did the oh she did, did referendum and he did a referendum and yeah. then said see you all later yeah and the referendum was 2015 so it would have been 2015 2016 the biggest thing about when she was going for, for leader was well she has no kids like she's no children whereas I mean when Leo Varadkar was going for, for Taoiseach obviously there were you know I'm not doubting the, the homophobia not that he experienced but we weren't bothered about the fact that he didn't have kids People are bothered that Angela Merkel doesn't have kids. Do you know? And you're like, we don't ask the same. So 100, even even now, like even with Biden, if we're, if we're looking at the state specifically, it still is that palatable family man, church going, got me two dogs. Although the, the, um, the, the, the first dogs of the White House are very nice. So that's okay. That's, um, but so we're all on the same page there. We're yep. all about yep. that. Um, yeah it's you know it's dogs it's all good but like it, it, it is very much about that and there is a core 
voter electoral group that 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 want that so you know it yeah it it matters and it matters that he's religious because of the concept of the new founding fathers even though one of them is a woman which i which i find really interesting and obviously a very deliberate choice um but it's the new founding fathers it's about this concept that you know we know best we're hierarchical we're patriarchal we'll tell you what to do and tying that in with religious faith traditional religious faith is not exactly it's really not it's the abuse of people's faith be it blind faith be it um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Abuse because of if yes. you know, they we've seen this before, obviously, more so in this film, that they have very much you know adopted the Christian image of faith, this evangelical, you know, don't worry, you can still go to church, that's absolute God is still up there in the mm-hmm. sky. Yeah, now we've listen. We've done away with all those silly, you know, love thy neighbor things. Get no, 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 no. Don't, don't worry about that. That was only holding you back. There's a little bit of that, and as the debate ends and it cuts, then to we finally meet for the first time in the series. We meet the new founding fathers. We meet, I believe it's Caleb Williams. I think is, mm-hmm. you know, the father of the new founding mm-hmm. fathers. And as you mentioned as well, douchebag. And there's, one, I mean, yeah. not that there was ever going to be, but there's no ambiguity as to whether or not he is douchebag el numero uno because as you say his first line is you know he calls her he drops the c word which is the c that close i was like right then okay right that tells me and it does as a viewer that tells me everything i need to know about him yeah, there's something about that, and I know because you said to me before we recorded for the first time that like you don't mind cursing or whatever, but you 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 take issue with that word. Um, and there is something. I don't know whether it's it's kind of specifically kind of culturally constructed or what it is, but there is something about that word. If you're watching film, TV show, whatever, and there's f this, mm. f that, f the other it can nearly well maybe this is just as a dub but it can nearly kind of go over your head and you won't even notice it or hear it or whatever but there's something about using yep, that it word is. specifically um which from a linguistic point of view it's really interesting because i've done as you know i've done the vagina monologues loads of times and obviously there's a there's a monologue in that called reclaiming the c word and it's it's actually about asking the audience to stand up and chant it by the end of it it's, it's really really fun um and i think it's important and powerful in order to reclaim that word but it has not been reclaimed say mm. in the way that queer has but you know um it has not been reclaimed in any way there is something specifically charged powerful poignant punchy you know about using that word as a word it's i mean it's I've, I've often used the phrase, oh, it's the last offensive word in the English language. Mm. Obviously it isn't. There are more offensive words. But there is so much... There's so much of a force behind it yeah. that in any context, it's it's bad. Like, you you know, arguably... I say, I'm say i saying that because I too am a dub. Mm-hmm. So, and it, ha- it has certainly entered colloquialism, but it, it's not, quote-unquote, safe in the way that, you know, fuck, shit, and bollocks mm-hmm. are... Uh, which is my way of telling you those words are fine to use on this podcast. But, but there's also something specifically is, gendered about it, and that's that's what that that's why I want it reclaimed yeah, because of the gendered element of it. 
Rather and often when you hear it being used, there's a violence mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, think about, I mean, generally when used in an offensive way, some people use it as an endearing way of talking to their friends. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But um, like when it's used in a derogatory, argumentative way, it is, it's a very demeaning mm-hmm. word because of the meaning that has been put on it. Mm-hmm. And calling to be very honest calling me a c word and calling you a c word will come across differently but also in general we tend not to use it towards men or those who identify as men um you know we obviously talk about feminizing as as bad and as as the other and blah 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 and you call a man a pussy because and that's about taking Mm. away from his manhood and heteronormative patriarchy and carol get back to the film but you know, we would use that kind of gendered language towards a man in order to demean and undermine his masculinity. But actually, we don't use this this word in... I'm not suggesting it's a man has never been, been called it, but in general, it's reserved for a hatred of women. Yep. Because, and as you say... Yeah. Oh. Because also well, the, cause just the body part, <laughs> the body part it's describing is wonderful and glorious and delightful and amazing and literally bloody life giving. Okay, where do we all come from, hun? But there's something there's so tied up in a deep hatred of women that comes in using that word in that way, and even onomatopoeically the way it sounds, the way it comes across. There's something so pointed about it and it's this is why I want it reclaimed because I'm going hang on in the same way that I call myself an angry feminist because then you can't do it to insult me because I'm like yeah I am next next question please um thank you very much I see that as a good thing mm. um but I want it reclaimed in order to take separate it from that violence that trolling nature that absolute sheer hatred and detestment of something that to be honest if it's men using it you bleed and lack you don't even have one yeah and I they're mean, wonderful whole bunch of men get together not a lot of babies being born yeah. you know but so what i was gonna pick up there so it's it's very 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 poignant and obviously i feel deliberate that it's the first words that come out of william's mouth and as you say there's a woman at the table mm-hmm because everything like it is meant in a you know locker room what exactly how you know how close or beyond how close is that c word because you know how could uh how could a woman threaten us in that way and i feel the inclusion of the female member of the new founding uh, fathers is there to highlight the you know internalized misogyny the st- Oh, thing. big time. Uh, women hate women. The, well, that, that it's, it's, it's the women who vote against uh, furthering equal rights. Mm-hmm. It's the women who vote against, you know, potenti- potentially like more, more liberal views on, you know, control over your own body, control over what you can do with your mind as well. And it's... It feels like it feels like to me as a viewer, and specifically as a male viewer, it feel, feels like, oh, that's nice. They let one in. Mm-hmm. 
but very much like I mentioned marketing a few minutes ago it's so there would be a face on the billboard yeah oh but sure this um, even if you go back and look at you know coming up to to the repeal the eighth um referendum like oh, I can't think off the top of my head now but I know there was like some council down somewhere around the country um where they um they had to they, they, the council members wanted to take a photo showing that they are I will not use the term pro-life because everybody is pro-life you're just anti-choice um because you're not yep. actually pro-life of the the pregnant person but you're listen here we are um I don't think anybody would be shocked by my stance on these things um but yeah I remember seeing this photo and it was they were like trying to get a woman in into the photo because all all of the the anti-choices were was a group of men and you're going hon Stone. When you have Stone your own line. C word and you have the ability to procreate, you know, and I'm not for a second suggesting that, that men um, or those who, who can't um, procreate don't deserve to have a, a voice in the conversation. Absolutely not. And everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um, but I take issue with people who want to control my body, who also don't want to help me. Yeah. Should I need, you know, help? or you know yes. whatever the situation may be so yeah um yeah but it's internalized misogyny we need to to not pretend that patriarchy is only about men oppressing women and and white men oppressing non-white people um you know it and actually this is another reason why it's it's important that that charlie rowan is a white woman in some ways because as a white woman myself, I'm, I'm like, I need to be an ally. I need to try and make myself the best ally that I can be. I need to give up my space, um, you know, in order to allow everybody into the conversation when it's, it's, it's appropriate. And, and when I can do that, I used, I need to use my position as an educator in order to, to, you know, um, inform students of biases and, and being conscious of all of these things and all of that. Um, so you can also juxtapose her with, the white woman who's a new founding father and go actually white women who are in this weird position of extreme privilege mm. and discrimination will will make a choice you can align yourself with the the patriarchy in order to to be honest forward yourself as need as far as you need to go or you can say hang on it's my duty and responsibility to use the privilege that i have in order to put forward everyone's case. I mean, if if your feminism ain't intersectional, it ain't feminism. I've no interest in you. Do you know? Um, if it comes with an asterisk, exactly. It's, yeah. Exactly. So um, so yeah, I think I think it's very important to note that you know this isn't just some. It, 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 as we said, it's it's very black and white that your man is um, is a c word himself. Do you know? like we're, we're not supposed to sympathize with him but they they're trying to look at the nuances in terms of having a woman there by going it's not black and white that this is a male female thing yeah do you know i agree i think one of the things i like that this film does is that it could be uh it could be accused of using the white savior trope but Absolutely. i think it saves itself from that with laney yeah She's um, wonderful. Because she is wonderful. And I think Charlie Charlie wouldn't have survived the purge without everyone. Not just Grillo, who I will gush over, mm -hmm. but not just Grillo, because he is saved by you know, well obviously L Laney is probably the most powerful character who 
No, she is a main character. I'm trying to think of how to, because it's it's the kind of. All right, well, let's let's see if I can figure out a way to phrase things as I go on. So as we move to Lainey's story and Joe's deli, and um, we get Marco as well, Marcus, sorry, um, and they're you know preparing for the other side of Purge Night. So this is the side we kind of saw in the last film, mm-hmm. which is the poor yeah. side. Um, and but this is the side where years later you're now being ripped off by your insurance broker. It's become established, exactly. And I like that. There, There is a bit of... So this is one thing that in the rewatch, some of the dialogue is a little hammy ah, yeah. around this. And it's a bit... It's kind of like, I get it, I get it. I love the idea that, yes, the insurance companies absolutely would and hang up the phone on them. Um, you know, would that happen in, let's say real life now, you probably would get through to the supervisor who would then give you the same nonsense of oh sorry they wouldn't just be like oh your money's up boy obviously there was you know yeah, well, people let's can, really make the audience feel people can't get flood coverage you know in Ireland in, in places where there's there's potential for flooding do you know what I mean like same shit do you know completely yeah. L- look at um, what's going on with with the crisis up in, up in Mayo and Donegal at the moment and these people like literally left absolutely shafted Watch the news, Sean. I haven't watched the news since about 2003. Yeah, you're not missing much. COVID, COVID is what's going on. But it's the no. mineral. Is it mica? Mica, I think is, is what it's called. Basically, load of people um, who uh, have homes built in Donegal and Mayo were given... The builders bought, but it wasn't their fault. They didn't realise they were getting defective products. They were given building blocks which had particularly high level um unregulated level of this mineral in it which over time absorbs water and like if you look up photos online now it's literally a case of people's homes are crumbling around them i'm not just trying to save myself here i've at least seen the pictures of that being shared okay that explains that thank you so yeah we do we do leave people shafted like let's pretend we don't but like we do absolutely i mean yes um there's obviously then the issue in real life of health insurance for people with long-term illnesses yeah um that's a that's a whole other podcast Mm -hmm. but so yeah i mean sorry is it shocking that this would happen no not at all again little bit i sound like the worst nitpicker in the world it's a little bit of just the way the dialogue comes across it's a bit like yes all right i got it um now um i i want to just get these characters almost out of the way because my two least favorite characters in the series are introduced in this scene mm-hmm. um and it's candy girl and friend like um, just... what were they thinking what were just... they thinking when they were writing these it just do you know what kills me is that other than their existence in this film Mm. is the fact that in general um, and I may have said this before in general this film is not too bad in terms of um, unnecessary female sexualization. so obviously we you're right we touch yeah. on um, kind of rape culture in um, in the previous film in terms of creepy McCreep face you know yeah. it's his right and blah 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 but but that's not about female sexualization. that's about showing actually the realities of what would happen in this situation right but with the exception of your one bopping about in her uniform, the first film, which was just, it was a bit too scream no. for me. But it, yes. with the exception of that, which in fairness, we didn't get a load of gratuitous upper 
school skirt shots or anything like that but they said to that this is the only time they really unnecessarily sexualize women and not in an empowering way at all and they're I mean they're school children yeah. as well yeah which just it just look put them in college look you want them young you want them thick grand but put them in college at least so that we can go well you're adults I mean the reality is I'm sure the actors probably were over 18 but it's mm. it's the it's the concept it's the stereotype it's the you know it just I can't be also they do nothing at all at no. as in they do not affect really they don't affect the plot no, I mean, um, because we could have very easily had random perjure number one breaking exactly. into the shop in order for him to get out the back, whatever. Do you know, like that's, exactly. we, we could have done that now, no bother. So like. Um, and, and I mean, it would be kind to say they even have one dimension. Um, that's, a bit, in that's a bit generous, yeah. you know. It's a bit it, harsh it on the old bit... first dimension, isn't it? It is. In fact, I apologise to all one-dimensional characters out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Because she's not... E- they're not even a sexy lamp trope. Have I told you about the sexy lamp trope? Go on, t- 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 tell me again. You're so giggling. The, yeah. the sexy lamp trope, whereby how many women in Hollywood could you replace their character with a particularly sexy-looking lamp, and I mean a literal inanimate object, and it wouldn't make any difference? Do you know what I mean? We've plenty of them all about Hollywood. We're mad about them. But these aren't even that because these are just annoying. They are. Um, just, and, and you're just like, cop on, go, oh, I killed mommy and daddy tonight. Like what? So we're supposed to believe that somewhere between the last purge and this purge, you've become this homicidal maniac. Secondly, you're a teenager. So like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Like for, you know, money and stuff. Thirdly, I can't, and I know we, we definitely did this when we originally recorded this episode and it's still, it's a bugbear for me. How did you wrap the lights around that car that the door would open? Because <laughs> you're so right. Like I just, how could you be in the rage that you're in and the, the, the acting out, the homicidal maniac tendencies, whatever, and then you wrap the car in the lights like that. Also, why where are your priorities that it's a feckin candy bar that you want mm. do you know what i mean like if if you're at a stage where you know i took care of mom and dad and yeah. you know maybe that's mom and dad's blood because she's head to toe covered in blood when we see her again so maybe that's mom and dad's blood it's highly suggested that it isn't that it's uh, you yeah. know other people's because yeah. i think there's four in the car to begin with and then they return with another car you know, if you have reached that level of mania, yeah, you know, you're going to stop and shoot the first person you see. Yeah, are you going to carefully drive through the streets of Washington with the purge going on all around you, just to go to a shop that may or may not still have the guy in it? Yeah, yeah, um, because she doesn't know he doesn't have the insurance and he's minding himself and blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So un- also and- come back after you literally get a gunshot like past your ear that would definitely burst your eardrum and all the rest of it. I mean, can we just say this entire every iota of a second that this character is on the screen is stop the messing. It's stop. Thank you. Yes, it is. It is stop the messing, and it's because this film needs a trailer. Fair. Um, not and fair it, not good enough not I, fair I get where you're not going, fair but like but, yeah not good enough like i would have rathered 
a load of scenes of just random purging going on or like show us the interesting stuff where we have you know the russians or the south africans dressed up as as the original founding fathers in order to do you know um to purge and to talk about how great America, like do put all of that stuff in because that's way more interesting or yes it is just have the girls have them not portrayed in the way they are have them have an argument with your man because i don't know they he didn't give them their change or something like that and then have them come back and go i want me bleeding change i'm gonna rob your shop as opposed to this weird sexual overtones that just don't work and oh i'm all about the empowered woman obviously but like they ain't lizzo do you know what i mean there's a way of bopping yourself around and, and, the, and the way the camera lingers. Yeah, I mean, it there's, just, there's no ambiguity. No. No ambiguity. No, it's... And it's annoying because no. as... Yeah. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm only repeating you here. It's annoying because James, he has written and directed one, two, and three. Mm. He has shown himself to be better yeah. than this. Yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. It's not really good enough. Do better, like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would be, you know, if I was rating it, I would it would lose a star straight away for that. Um, yeah. But uh, it's the male gaze on the camera angles and all of that kind of, you know, like it just and it just doesn't need to be there. And there's none of that with the male characters. You well, know, no, Grillo the male is male gaze is no interest in that kind of a thing. But it exactly so if it was like we need to add you know some sort yeah. of sexualization yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's no like i mean grant do we even bother rolling the dice or do we just get some schoolgirls? yeah yeah it's a you bit know. it's like like do you know what i mean like just just it's a bit lazy it's a bit stupid it's a bit unnecessary it's the only thing that in its entirety i cannot stand about this film yeah like, take, like uh, it actually and, annoys me like it's like, it's like you said, you could remove the entire thing. You will get Lainey to the shop. No problem. Like, he rings her. Hi, we're in the shop. Over she comes, you know. Uh, now, I enjoy, not not just for the violence of it, but I enjoy the fact that when Lainey arrives, she drives over that plot line. Yes. And within a heartbeat, it's over. Yeah. And there's no, like, oh my God, they almost got in it. No, they didn't. Like, no. Yeah. And then they're idiots as well. Th- this this plotline requires the characters to be stupid. Yeah. Oh, there is Lady with shotgun. I have machete. Indiana Jones taught me many years ago, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Also, not only is it random Lady with shotgun, it's like the lady who they made a point of discussing earlier by saying that she is the be-all and end-all. She was the mm. absolute... Um, purger of purgers she was the most angry the most. they basically make her out to be John Wick mm. do you know what I mean yeah and like oh. so you're just going you know what I mean if I'm if I'm standing on a on a road and John Wick's looking at me and he's a bit angry I'm off yeah no worries I will buy you a new dog you know um, but yeah but right they've been discussed yeah, they're, they're done. done we are Better wasting there. no more time on nope. them um so, unsurprisingly, Charlie and Grillo are betrayed. Yeah. Um, I know Leo Barnes has a name, but Grillo. No, Grillo. Um, Frank Grillo. So, you know but, but we had this we had this thing before when we when we did this episode. For some reason, I'll call the others by their character names, but for him, no, it's Grillo. Yeah, no, 100%. No, Frank Grillo. Love you. 
uh, unsurprisingly, they're betrayed. They are betrayed. Um, I, I, I apologise on behalf of all of Star Trek. They are betrayed by Neelix, the character from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, Ethan Phillips. One of the only other things I've seen him in. So, Ethan, be nice in the next thing I see you in, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's all a bit, you know, it's a bit predictable. I but actually, it is a bit predictable, but I have far less issue with any kind of predictability because you need to get her on the streets otherwise yeah, where's your, what's your plot yeah it's grand I'm fine with it because they actually handle it quite well and I like the fact mm. that he had his plan F you, you know what I mean he'd, he'd gone through the yeah. stages and the levels and this and I trust you this much and I trust you that much and all the rest of it, um, it why it's fine is because it doesn't happen because he made a mistake. In fact, yes. they only survive because he planned and planned and planned. Yeah. It's if, predictable. Like, he it, knows it's coming. She knows it's coming. Everybody knows it's coming. It. She, she is the literal reason that they are now allowing level 10 or whatever to people to be killed like, for the first time. Like, everybody knows that. So, predictability is fine because it doesn't happen because of his incompetence. I, I, I was laughing before we started recording. I said, like... He planned everything so well that the nitpick I have, and by God, lads, this is the nitty of nitpicks, is that would he not have had more frequent radio check-ins? As in, that Mm. is the only thing. And that's me, obviously, reaching and making a joke. But no, what I will say is those three men on the porch were sent out to die. They had upset him in some way. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I mean, like, they... I mean, he must have been off their Christmas card list or something. I mean, there there was only one way that was going. They were probably his only three bloody loyal ones, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that was like... Because I remember cause I, I remember we said this in the first one. The first time you see them, I was just like, oh, they're dead. Mm. They, they may die now. They may die in a couple of minutes, which I think it is about two or three minutes later. But they're dead. Because they, they are standing in an uncovered... Um, all right. Right. Military tactics. Bad. Bad tactics. They are completely uncovered. They're like... The bouncer at a club, his job is, you know, keep the unruly people out. His job is not take fire and, you know, right, I've had my rant. So, yes, I disagree with the tactic of leaving three people without full bulletproof gear all around them at the door. And I was proved correct moments later. Yeah, and I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, if they were normal SWAT lads or whatever and I'm going to say SWAT because me and Stephen have recently started watching because we always like to have a silly procedure not silly but like a light procedural along so like SWAT is now on Netflix and I'm loving it because I love Shamar Moore because I watched Crown Wines for years and what I love so much about SWAT is how absolutely nonsensical it is and our favourite thing to do is to look up what SWAT actually do as opposed to what these lads are doing you know they're investigating crimes anyway so we're calling them SWAT because they probably are because of my newfound knowledge of SWAT right cool but so normal like SWAT dudes or dudettes um, gender non-specific SWATs um, are trained for almost everything and can overpower you know like you and me fairly handled yeah. <laughs> that's probably do you know what I mean most people could do that oh but they're like, taking me down in a moment yeah 100% do you know what I mean I'll, I'll lay myself down and go it's grand just leave me here it's all good no but but they're they're super whopper deadly right but Grillo knows that whoever is sent in to inevitably kill these lads and try and kill her, they're going to be SWAT on steroids. They're going to be the best that money can buy as opposed to realistically hers would be state funded. Yes. 
Whereas yeah, it's she gonna is... be private militia who come in. And she she is of the because she wants to stay in her own home and everything, even if she had the option to buy in private security herself, we know and they set that up well in her character that she wouldn't do that. You know, it would be important to her in order to, you know, be one of the people the, which she's not, but you're listening. It's grand. This this is where I mean it it can be frustrated. I'm frustrated at her, but I buy it. Mm. This is the naivety again. Mm. It's the you know, I have you know, I, appearances matter because they do when you're running for election. You know, and I, if I go and lock myself in a bunker somewhere, you know, I ran away, even though it's exactly what you should do so that you can ensure that you will be alive to get elected. But then how will the public perceive that? So and, and Grillo again, had a difficult job. But we're also, we're adding in the level of woman here where it's even more important. I mean, we elect dudes who, you know, openly talk about assaulting women. Well, I didn't personally elect said dude, but that's what and we I do. And I thank you not you know to do I mean? that. Yeah. We, back in the 90s, we, we liked dudes playing saxophones, even though they were very clearly taking advantage um, of a, a, a young intern. Do you know what I mean? We're cool with dudes getting away with that kind of thing. We're not cool with a woman being literally on paper, no matter what you think of somebody's politics, literally on paper, the most qualified candidate for the job in the history of the universe ever. We're not cool with, you know, the fact that the people think she's going to start a war because she's a woman and hormonal, even though she's of a particular age, blah, blah, whatever. Okay. So we we add in this extra level you know, you know the, the the kind of the, the phrase the the saying in order for a woman to be seen as half as good as a man she needs to be twice as good as him yes so we add in that nonsense there where it wouldn't even just be a person putting in place protections in order to save themselves in the situation it'd be a little woman running away like the scared little girl that she is if she's such a little girl and she's so scared how could she possibly handle the big boys and handle the big office Exactly, because the first time you, you know, in the mind of the viewer, the first time Putin says, uh, "No, we're not going to do whatever you just asked us to do." Oh well, she's just going to go and bake him a pie, or something. And it is that bullshit exactly. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's incredibly frustrating that that's a thing. Ah, but it is um, so. So I don't actually think it's naive that that she stays in the gaff. I think it's a bit naive that she really thinks they won't get through. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, like she thinks she's safe. Yeah. Now she's Which, with Grillo, so she is. Well, sorry, you're, you're dead right. In, in the grand scheme of things, if you're with Grillo, you're fine. Mm. Uh, unless Grillo's trying to kill you, in which case you are as far away from safe. In fact, maybe, maybe John Wick could help you. Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Um... Thanos and the Infinity Glove again, although not sure. But um, but what was I going? I've I lost my point in the marvel of it all. No, um, it's yeah. That there was a should have. Pun. Thank you, thank you very much. There should have been an open. Should have been. I'm analysing her naivete as a character. She should have known that Plan A was never going to work. Um, now. I'm totally cool Grillo having plan F yep mm. absolutely that's mm. and I buy that that's grand um, it, it does it's asking the audience to be like really yeah yeah it's as if she she actually didn't think they were coming and you're like yeah 
I mean, how can how can we how can we not? Do you know what I mean? And it's it's like how you did said you a not kiss ago. those lads outside goodbye, knowing that you know, thank you for your sacrifice. A, a, exactly yeah it's like the next time I see them I will be scraping their brains off my petunias yeah um, and like it, you said it perfectly there just a couple of minutes ago they changed the law to make yeah. you eligible yeah. to hunt I mean talk and, about being important well that's true I mean it is nice that she you know is she's, she's on their thoughts mm-hmm. yeah um, and then they come mm-hmm and then bangy bangy shooty shooty. I actually do like this scene um, mm. because it, the film. It, it actually, I will say the film is generally quite well paced. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Even the more drawn out scenes as you get into the third act, they're I I think they're punchy enough. But this is where the action really begins to kick off. Mm. Yeah, with, um, with neo Nazi Barbie. With neo-nazi barbie what's face coming in oh well with with, with, yes sorry yeah neo neo neo-nazi man i was like you know neo-nazi barbie hang on i i know quite a few uh public figures are like that (laughs) no i'm i i kind of you see i like to um i like to do a deliberate gendering thing here because i know it would bother people like that i like that hey look hand to the air i was like kind of like but which female character are you talking about yes yeah. Um, but uh, right well that's thrown me quite for the loop <laughs> but you're dead right that's the first thing I did is I I, uh, yeah, I gendered yeah. yeah I like distorting uh, things like that because I find it amusing because it would bother people like that so much do you know what I mean um, don't think I'm going to buy so that fragile. action figure though don't think I'm going to buy that action figure well most Barbies would probably fit into the L aesthetic like in uh, general do you know what I mean I'm yeah. Not a big stretch. Sure, she's still very much fifties house, idealized fifties housewife. Well, you know she wouldn't you know, be able to stand up. Although I don't know if they've changed know, those like, proportions. I, th- I hope they, because I remember tall. there was a lot of talk yeah. about that. Yeah, she'd be seven feet tall, and her neck would be like a foot long or something, and her chest would be so heavy, and her rib cage so small that she'd actually suffocate and would not be able to stand up or something like that. So she's opening for Victoria's Secrets. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, in full neo-Nazi garb. Oh, um, I I think I said this the last time we recorded as well. I have no idea that recording has lost a time. But it... Because obviously all of the symbols adorning the neo-Nazi paramilitary Barbie are so offensive to every part of me that's human mm-hmm. that... They stand out so much that it actually took me out of the film for a second. Mm. But I don't mean that as a criticism. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, there are shit things in the world. Yeah, because I think in terms of media and content and that, there is a balance between showing things or saying things because they're necessary and because they actually add to it and because you don't want to sugarcoat the reality. Mm. And showing things that actually just add a shock value or a shock factor or whatever now i think it, it i don't I, I think it's necessary i think what they do is is, is correct and good and, uh, and i'm happy with it but there is something because we're so used to not seeing those kind we know what they are we know how they look all the rest of it but yeah. we don't actually want to see them mm. 
mm-hmm. which probably mm-hmm. says something and about our whiteness and being uncomfortable in existing that in you know knowing that white pe- our brethren can be like this you know I think it's very telling that and I'll, I'll, I'll speak just personally for a second before I speak for yourself when I see that imagery and it offends me to the point of I'm out of the film and yet I can watch someone be shot in the eye and I don't blink yeah. because oh well it's a it's a horror movie you know it's, yeah. it's whatever you, know, you come you come in expecting that I think that is very telling mm. I do think like I there is I think there's a smart story here mm. that I, I have my legitimate criticism I feel legitimate sorry criticisms with how some of the dialogue is handled with we've spoken about Candy Girl um, there like it is by no means a perfect film no, but no. there was a brain that went into writing this and particularly including that imagery. Oh yeah, but I mean, we, we've talked and we definitely talked about this in in the original recording. Um, the importance of imagery throughout this film, like Purge and the Lincoln Memorial. <sighs> Do you know what I mean? And with the it's... pile of bodies. And actually I remember saying the last time that um, the last time previous to that that I had seen the Lincoln Memorial just on TV or whatever it was because it was only a few weeks before that was the the presidential inaugural um, I was going to say conference concert japers it's been a while um, oh yeah you know and we have the likes of J- uh, John Legend and his piano in front of the memorial we have Katy Perry and her fireworks and her plastic bag and all the rest of it going hmm. on there and it's uh, this sight of beauty and power and strength and hope and change and do you know what I mean even having John Legend having a, bl- a black man there and then having Katy Perry having a white woman sing all the rest of it right powerful deliberate imagery and then you juxtapose it with what we have here with pile of bodies purge written in blood across the, the pillars and Lincoln himself covered I mean mm imagery here again we, we talk about the the murder tourists the south africans who, who come in um and dress up as the original founding fathers and we've the image of that we've the image of the the bow and arrow this use of kind of going back to kind of um simpler times it's a more it's primitive it's hunt primitive. Isn't exactly it? it's, it's a yeah. primitive that's it's a hunt a bow and arrow is not an efficient way to end a life that's about mm. hunting that's about sport you know we have the guillotine you know and we talked about this at length in the last one because I nearly you know lost me marbles at the power and the importance of, of, of kind of that you know we've kind of the theatricality of the violence that we see from the ambulance as Laney's going around and we see all these different bits and bobs going on imagery throughout this series is stunning and is done mm-hmm. well and is poignant and I do think you are absolutely correct that it you know that was not done accidentally that's about showing that kind of that neo-nazi and that, that white supremacist imagery is about making us uncomfortable and it should make us uncomfortable well, and and it does yeah it does um, there the, one of the other it's a it's a pan shot uh, I think that the, one of the strongest pan shots is that you, you've mentioned the, the Lincoln Memorial yeah. it's chilling absolutely mm. chilling um, there is another one which is clearly deliberately chosen and it's obviously evocative of lynch mobs and you have bodies swinging from the tree oh, and you have yeah. people dressed in white robes yeah. now not specifically KKK white robes but 
it's not as it's, it's not, not much of a stretch. Yeah. And it's it's awful and it's absolutely horrible. And so many of these these horrific images are put so close together mm. in this film. And it makes me think of now, not maybe specifically a defacement of the Lincoln Memorial or a lynching on its own, but how often in everyday media do we see variations on a theme and we don't blink? Because it's not given maybe the spotlight that this film has put on it. Um, how often do we... And I, I'm i not here to attack anyone who switches the channel when the news is on. Oh, because, difficult. my God, I have been so I have been so guilty of it. Sometimes just like, look, I cannot handle yeah. these images yeah, today. Yeah. And this film is a bit like... this. This montage of scenes, to me, was a bit like... We're not going to let you switch over from this. You're going to see this. And we, we recorded this, obviously, uh, early March, so it wasn't that long before. But the January 6th insurrection, or attempted insurrection, became the the scene with the Lincoln Memorial. Now, while, obviously, they, they didn't go to the Lincoln Memorial, mm. that became much more yeah. prescient yeah. because it was this memorial to American democracy, even though I know Lincoln was a Republican, mm. to American democracy, to liberalism, to you know obviously what is lincoln most well known for he is the president that freed the slaves mm-hmm. and oh i thought that, you were gonna say that... big hats. <laughs> well he did wear some he some fairly big hats yeah and it is just it's this this film i i think they couldn't i, I obviously i'm speaking for the filmmakers here so please guys if you're listening come and correct me or confirm with me they couldn't have known what was coming in the four years no. but it sounds like they they had an idea mm. and it that's bloody frightening yeah yeah it, they had an idea of of the potential i mean i think you know obviously we're, we're watching this with a 2021 lens um and you know that that's obviously very different but i think had i watched it when it originally came out i would have gone yeah it's it's mad it's kind of extreme whatever but it's i didn't realize i don't think anybody could have comprehended how actually realistically possible it was do you know for me it was kind of similar to um i don't know if you watch black mirror at all but i do yeah yeah one of the things i know some black mirror episodes are excellent and some are not but Mm. one of the things that i like about black mirror is that for most of them it's not a big stretch yeah, you can and you're right. Like some are very clearly, yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of them are just like, yeah. It's you know, it, it, this is not leaps and bounds. Yeah. This is a few steps in any one direction, yeah. and you could end up with with this, mm. um, which is which makes the film a lot more depressing mm. than some people. Certainly myself. I I didn't I didn't expect it to hit quite as hard, mm. and. On paper, I think we joked about this last time. On paper, film number three in a murder series, you just from what we have been exposed to in cinema, you would be forgiven for going, ah, yeah. did you bother catching that one? Nah, I sort of skipped over that one. Like, no, this is this is well thought out, you know. And I, I am forgiving of its failings. Mm. Doesn't mean I won't mention them. This is a film review podcast, after all. Mm. But because. It takes the time 
to create, play with, and sometimes subvert mm. some very, very, very present ideas. Yeah, but the, but this is why I wanted to do this series. I remember you said to me like, oh, come on, we'll do a film, whatever. And I said, oh, like, I'd like to do The Purge. And you were like, you'd like to do your what? And, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, no, it's it's because now election year is the first one I had seen. And then a couple of years ago, I went back and watched and watched the others. Um, but it, it it's it's because there's look, sometimes the academic in me. I can always do an L layer down reading of to be honest, pretty much anything. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm able mm. enough now to give you an L like I can I can analyze where there ain't no analysis to be done right it's it's a skill waffling is a wonderful skill right but well, the old philosophy joke is like it's a chair <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes it's just a chair I can analyse absolutely anything I can make something out of anything but this film is much better than it has any right to be because yep. there are actually a huge look you could watch this and and ignore all of those things and go bit of a slasher bit of a thriller all this bit of politics lobbed in there Grant, happy out, got me ending, we're all good. But if you if you take the time to consider it, there are so many moments, so many little things, so many times. Even, you know, actually, and I'm just thinking now, the, the way we were going on about the, the opening scene um, and the years and playing with the years, I'm convinced, now, maybe I'm reading too much into this, I'm convinced that the years were fudged in order to have had what happened to her happen happened to her family happen in the same year that Dante was in with Ethan Hawke's family because it was it works out as the same year and I think that has to be deliberate to show them both actually rising at exact going through a similarly horrific experience I mean you know mm. different but both absolutely traumatic brought into this thing that neither of them had any interest in and, and all the rest of it and very very innocent victims and all of it have that happen at the same time and have this rise in in two very different ways going like it's all it has to be deliberate i think so because you know they have which actually that brings us nicely to when uh bishop and roan meet in the you know the makeshift hospital there is a there's a couple of scenes for that which, which are important but i i feel like this is a crucial moment when dante and charlie meet you have you know she who preaches peaceful protest and he who preaches violent rebellion mm-hmm. both have merit. Mm-hmm. Both can both see and also, you know, go, oh, that's nice to the other. Mm-hmm. And in the end, they're both right and they're both wrong. Charlie wouldn't have survived the night if there wasn't violence, yeah. but Dante Bishop could never have been president yeah. off the back of a violent rebellion. Well, yeah, because... In the way, in this universe. Pe- but but in any universe, because people are never going to... It's about the palatable thing. Do you know what I mean? The We talked, um, particularly in the last podcast, about why I find it so interesting where Grillo goes at the end. He goes to nice, quiet suburbia, this beautiful middle class, which is actually largely left out of the purge for a whole pile mm. of socioeconomic reasons. They're not going to vote for somebody who they know is a murderer. Yeah. Because they, you know, they, 
they were lucky enough to be in a position to have the morals to say that that's wrong. Now they were in a privileged position in order to be able to do that, but they're never going to vote for somebody that they know is a murderer. Um, so he he could never work because of that. But I would argue, as a as a staunch pacifist um, myself, I don't think there's ever a need for violence, except where there is in this situation because of the violent situation that you have been put in. The fact is, this pur- the purge is this kind of over-the-top, extraordinary, awesome in terms of the kind of terrifying connotations of the word, um, experience that has led society to a point where I genuinely believe that you need to meet violence with violence here. You know, we saw it in, in the previous film where the lads hop in with their guns and, and all the rest of it. So this isn't a normal I'm, I'm always anti-violence but this isn't a normal situation and it can't be treated as such and what he does needs to be done I yeah I agree and this is where again as I mentioned earlier this is where it's like oh Charlie now I'm not saying I disagree with her point of by killing the new founding fathers you are making them martyrs so she is absolutely correct in her stance the only thing that's different is she's aware of Dante's plan that's the only difference. Yeah. Otherwise, she would have woken up the next morning, in theory, she would have woken up the next morning as the only runner left for mm-hmm. the presidency. She would have become president. She would never have known what happened. You know, Arguably, she could have made a soundbite out of, in their own fallacy, they tried to get me and it got themselves killed. Yeah. You know, there you go. There's a nice soundbite. The problem being, and I benefit the doubt, I think this was a deliberate choice, her discovering that dooms bishop's plan it couldn't have worked because then Mm. it's like you said although she herself might not have picked up a weapon her hands would be covered in their blood even however frustrating that is because like but 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 nope she was aware of it she's culpable Mm. they would there would be an issue she either maybe element of elimination because i know there's kind of i think this is even even in this version of america it's still a two-party system yeah. So I think and you know she might guarantee the electoral college still exists. Uh, yes, yeah, that's that. That's a whole level of evil we just do not have the time to discuss here. No. Um, or the will so it to is. Live. Uh, that's true. So it's it's frustrating, but I can see exactly where she's coming from. Saying you can't kill them, mm-hmm. you know, it's not. I think she's she does say. I think at one point she does say, you know, this is not about just saving lives. You know, think the long game. But it's 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 one of the reasons I'm very much anti cancel culture. Um, yes, I have no problem with deplatforming individuals who are deliberately trying to knowingly incite violence or cause problems or whatever it is. I've no problem with that. But the concept of cancel culture is nonsense because actually all you're going to do is is make them um, a a martyr or a kind of a poster child for whatever they were you know kind of supporting in the first place like you know say if you take the likes of Weinstein or whatever um yes I believe that specific human although on you know whatever how I feel about using that word to describe him. oxygen um, thief <laughs> carbon-based life form yes yeah yeah um he I, I do believe he should rot in jail but but people like him and his ilk and all the rest of it like don't cancel these people because actually they will just become the prophets 
of in his case the MRAs do you know what I mean um, just ignore them now as I said when somebody is deliberately you know inciting violence or say the likes of Katie Hopkins um, in in Britain and I think she was then permanently banned because she basically re- well, didn't retweet Hitler but she basically said something about a final solution or something like that and I think she was she was finally banned from Twitter but for all of her other stuff if it's not actively causing harm ignore it that's the best thing to do because all you do by giving it um, space and by giving it airtime is you make those who believe it in the first place more vehemently believe it. Yeah. And do you know what? So I I can hear the argument. Well, what happens then if you can't ignore it? What happens if you're in the situation? Now, you did say, you said, if it's not harming anyone. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not actively why, harming anyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. Because then, yes, you have the, 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 the situation here which is, you know, the, oh, well, you know, this is the extreme. This is people are, you know, this is roving death gangs. You know, mm-hmm. this is the extreme. Which, while The Purge is a fictional movie, thank God, uh, there are places on Earth where variations on a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awful and it's horrific. And some people live through a hell that I have never experienced uh, for the reasons of where I live mm-hmm. would be a large part to do with that um and and again it it brings me back to i see both sides of the argument i uh, in in terms sorry of the of this film i see there was absolutely a time and i would be like dante bishop i will be standing beside you absolutely 100 percent. and then there is a time where it's just like senator roan i am standing beside you 100 percent and one thing I like it's not funny but one thing I like throughout this whole film is that Grillo doesn't care really he does care like he agrees with her politics and that's he wants her to win but at no point does he do any of this for political reasons he is literally just doing his job yeah. and I appreciate that voice as well yeah yeah and he, and he chose look he chose his job for political reasons and we kind mm. of have a, a big insight into that based on um you know what we saw his character go through yeah. in the previous film and all the rest of it but yeah he is he's he's probably the only one who doesn't think emotionally or act in an emotional manner at all throughout and actually I really appreciate that they don't lob in an L being into the senator love I, story I was, and yeah I really 100%. appreciate that yeah the I, I think now perhaps this is naivete on both of our parts but I think there is that final there's spoiler Charlie lives uh, there is a final scene where she's casting a vote and she gives him kind of a friendly squeeze on the arm as you would with a friend and I take that at face value I think they are friends oh yeah and because I, yeah. not only are they friends but they've also gone through not just a political exactly. campaign but literally this level of it like I'm I'm cool with that and do, do you know what yeah. even if it's something else is implied I don't want to go there because actually that would ruin something for me because it's very very important that he with the exception of like working out how they're being tracked with the bullet actually I remember we talked about this in the original episode do you remember the way he yeah. can't work out how they're being followed and you're like dude you're like basically it's a bit obvious Captain America like work it out 
Do you know what I mean? Also, the fact that bullets clearly don't stop him in in any way. Well, there is that as well. Yeah, like he's like, oh, that's itchy. Yeah. Although uh, I will say, you know, Candy Girl, she gets her ear blown off and she's kind of fine. So I think there is there is a slight inconsistency about how people are treated you when see, it comes I, to bullet wounds in this. Yeah, I don't know because I haven't seen this as recently. I don't know if it's blown off as opposed to he just skims it and it's actually about bursting her eardrum. I I I mean, like I can't what I got from it is that it takes a chunk out of it, not blood. So the ear is still there at the end of it, right. but it's you know the kind of the trope. Uh, Oh, you've just had a boxing master, Mike Tyson. That's what you look like now. Right, As in, okay. it's taken a chunk out of it. Mm. Um, mm. Mr. Tyson, I hope you're well. Please don't come after me. Um, so, I mean, some, uh, an annoying, a slightly annoying thing, and James DeMonaco, I'm talking to you here, is that, so, Joe, who we have barely mentioned at all, and I know, I know we love I Joe. Like, we love Joe. I feel like this time... I don't know, I'm keeping, I'm looking through some of my notes here, I'm like, oh my God, there's so much stuff I never remember we said the last time. And we, what if we spent all the time talking about this time? I feel like we haven't talked about anything. We've, we've both grown as people. We talk, I think we, we talked an awful lot more, I, oddly enough, we've talked an awful lot more about the politics of the piece this time mm. around than I think we did last time. I think last yeah, time maybe. we were, we stuck a little bit closer to just the plot as it was shown, mm. um, which is, yeah, which is fine. Because I have notes on stuff like, you know, the point of Earl saying, find her before the crazies do. So he believes his own bullshit. He's, he's um, neo-Nazi Barbie, you know. And then we yeah. have like Joe and the saving them and like Grillo had saved even Callie in the previous film. I've all that kind of thing. Like, yeah, but yeah, boy. Or even Marcos saying every day in Mexico City was like the purge. I know how to shoot and kind of the important then I remember us talking about him wanting you know having moved there for a better life and all that so yeah, yeah but anyway sorry I'm cutting you off I'm just I'm going through me like what have we talked about it's, it's great it's great, it's great. Okay. one hour and 25 minutes oh yeah Joe um, but no, oh, no we, 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 we had mentioned it we have mentioned him and but the one thing that it, it frustrates me because it feels like it was done to pad out time a little bit because again nowhere near as bad as Candy Girl but there was no real need for it Joe Laney and Marcus hop back in the van and leave for no other reason than that they can go and see the government trucks coming to then yeah. go back. And it's just like, again, maybe you were, because I do, I love their triad. I love their mm. relationship together. I think it's it's worked really, it's both written and acted very, very well. Mm. It's um, believable. It is. A, very, in a very much so. family kind of a way. Yeah, it's believable. Mm. Um, it's, but anyway, I say all that. That is a minor gripe, but they just... The plot required them to see those government trucks. Yeah. Um, and so they got in the van to go back to Joe's shop. I don't know why on earth you would. I mean, sorry. They tried to make us believe, but yeah. Joe stick it out till morning now. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's they go done. back anyway. It's gone. It's done. Probably burnt to the, to the ground. We'll yeah. worry about it tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. Plus there's, you know, two very brightly lit cars sitting right outside it like beacons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go anyway. They go and they get they get Grillo and they get Charlie and they get back in the van, and I think I think this is handled okay. I mean, you kind of you knew they weren't going to get very far because it, yeah. you know if we look at the clock now, it's like all right, well we're definitely in the third act of the film now, lads. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've known Joe as a target on his back from like the moment he walked onto the screen. Yeah, absolutely. So you know we need yeah, to get there, like. 100% because you know kind of the only thing and I, 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 it sounds bad the only thing he doesn't do is christen his boat to live forever and show you a picture of his honey at home there's a little bit of that now I like Joe a lot yeah 
but there is a bit like a kind of a you know those two brightly lit cars might have been ne- might as well have been neon arrows yeah but yeah. even it's like last night we were watching I tell you we're, we're watching that SWAT thing now and there was an episode where this FBI agent was working with them and she says I'm going to retire because you know oh. it's not fair on my young son and you're like I literally turned to Stephen and I said right so the son's getting kidnapped in this episode Someone's getting kidnapped. She's gonna die. You know. Yeah. No, she like, ain't making all... two more months to retirement. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so like, I, you know, like we get it, Joe. Yes, and uh, no. On the flip side of that, uh, his delivery is brilliant. He gets the mm. lines of the film. Mm. Yeah, you does, know? yeah. Um, and I, I am glad for that because it's not just about we want you to like him before. Mm. I think they looked out a little bit as well with uh, the actor um, yeah. whose name I just I'm just struggling to pronounce his name. It's uh, I think it's Michael T. Williamson. Thank you, and I I because I M Y K E L T I. That is my best approximation. Mike M Y K Michael T. Michael T. Michael T. Williams. Yeah, that's his name. Michael T. Williams. Isn't it? I don't know. Um, I apologise terribly if we have butchered that name people. because he is brilliant mm-hmm. um, and he's excellent in the role and you like him and mm-hmm. he yeah he gets one of the best roles no sorry I've gushed I've gushed I've gushed um, we get in the van shockingly uh, Charlie Roan is through a series of unfortunate events she is taken alive by neo-Nazi Barbie mm-hmm. and brought to bum ba bum 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 it was telegraphed first thing in the film the big church which is where all of the new founding fathers are and this is allegedly the most this is Fort Knox like you're Mm. not getting into this Mm. place and Dante Bishop Mm -hmm. gets the best line of the film Mm -hmm. Um, it's perfect it's because they're like oh how'd you get in how'd you get in we're gonna dig through you know the original tunnels the original uh, foundations mm. and you know kind of you know the original founding fathers are going to fuck over the new founding fathers and I yeah. went I like that I like that that is karma that's just it's just beautiful yeah um, that's that's a salt bay moment <laughs> brilliant yeah <laughs> uh, but yes absolutely but because that's what it is so but they do that anyway they uh, we get it. There's an interaction between him and Grillo. It's it's fine. We they all end up at the church together. Now, discount Crispin Glover annoys me mm-hmm. um, because there's no need for him other than we couldn't get Crispin Glover. Um, Reasonable like, point. And I think because we have the we have the the minister and he is going full evangelical, which that's grant he at least seems to believe what he's preaching i don't agree with what he's preaching but whereas there is the stink of hypocrisy of every other member of the new founding fathers yeah um again this is not complimenting him but he does seem to believe in what he's preaching which makes him even more frightening yeah yeah and but even i think this is you know going back to neo-nazi barbie and his you know finder before the crazies do like anybody who believes in taking lives you know there's a problem there Mm. but 
But if you've bought into an ideology whereby you genuinely believe that in taking innocent lives, I mean, you can call them drug users as, you know, you can call them homeless people or, you know, like the, 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 the measure of people that they have um, purged throughout the night. You can call them whatever you want. You can say their sins or whatever you want. These are innocent people, normal people. There's a level, there's something that's not clicked or that has clicked or that's unclicked or unhinged that mm. that you genuinely believe this pure purge and purify and you genuinely believe that you are saving your own soul in engaging in this kind of an act that i don't think it's any stretch to say that would explain away some of the far far right hardliners that we have seen emerge over the last mm. few years it's because once you have identified yourself with and attached yourself to an ideology that is so extreme mm. and seems to be now, or thank God I hope this is the case, but seems to have gained traction and gained recognition and gained legitimacy that, you know, it's okay to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And that very description has been used for so many quote-unquote positive things in the past four to mm. be a part of something bigger than yourself to have faith to believe absolutely and look it's one thing that has always bothered me um and i say this as as a person of faith but it it bothers me when you follow it to the point because where is responsibility okay you you follow it to the point of actually absconding yourself of any sense of responsibility because it's god's plan or it's you know whoever you're god or whoever you're you're looking to it, it really is is, is non-religion specific um it's their plan it's it's what they want for me it's their will it's whatever and you're going no you're human you're an adult with thoughts feelings a brain you have a responsibility look we can talk about we can talk about the concept of free will and determination and all the rest of it till the cows come home it's a very different conversation but at the, the the end of the day you know if i turn around to you now and say like horrendous things to you use you know slurs use the c word whatever mm. and then say oh but i felt that that my god wanted me to tell you that because i don't i don't know agree with your lifestyle or whatever pile of nonsense no i have responsibility as an adult not to do that do you know what i mean so I, while I, I, I fully appreciate that he's that far gone in this ideology that he genuinely believes it, there is a human responsibility and everybody has it. You know, as I said, I'm a person of faith, but I, well, I like to refer to myself as an a la carte Catholic. Um, like you have to be, like I, I think anybody who isn't in this day and age is, 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 is a bit far gone really, but um, that's just that's a personal thing. But like, being of faith means actually taking the responsibility in order to understand what it is you're believing in and what you're buying into and what you would be willing to do like i take it say the likes of the ten commandments i take them as a general be a good person yeah do you know what i mean yeah. so like that's that's what that's what i would take from them so so if you buy into this idea oh well it's not even on me it's it's my faith it's higher than me no hon you got the gun in your hand do you know what I mean? You have a choice to make. One, uh, like 100%. And there's, he, his voice says the words of the, now they only identify this man as a drug user. The other person who's mm. on, who's strapped to a, a gurney, basically. Mm. Um, we thank you for your sacrifice. Mm. 
yeah. you know he is you know putting it like you have ch- you person who is about to die have chosen to be here yeah. for you know the purge for us to purge our sins for us to yeah. purge of you know all of these nasty this things this is your purpose yeah and you know if if we go right this guy is so far gone that he thinks that God put that man here to you know to choose he clearly did now in the same breath he knows full well that the entire purpose of changing the rules was to get Charlie Rome. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and that is something you see in, fortunately in reality, is again this, I will pass a polygraph and say that the first sentence I said I believe, even though I know that the second sentence will contradict the first sentence. And yet I will believe both. And you get that, just like, wow, this guy, there will be no reasoning with him. There will be no trying to talk him out of anything. But you don't get that. While admittedly, they all have very, very minor roles for the gravity of their characters. They have very, very yeah. minor roles. The rest of the New Founding Fathers, well, particularly the Spin Doctor um, with the terrible moustache, uh, he clearly doesn't believe in any of this, and that. But you see that throughout the film, they yeah. don't try and paint him any other way, and they're yeah, not. This is about power. This yeah. is absolutely about power, and you know, staying in said power, um, and it's gratifying, uh, says Violent Sean, to see that the the three new founding fathers are basically get close up, as in the camera takes a second to pause on their deaths are. Caleb Williams, founding father number one. So he's obviously fills the screen. Um, we get discount Chris McGlover. Mm-hmm. And we get, sorry, terribly sorry to the actor, by the way. It's just the way that it's presented in the film. Yeah. Um, and is the spin doctor. Uh, because there is a, there's a pan where you see, oh, everyone's being moaned down. Da, 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 da. But no, because he makes an act where Caleb put a knife to Charlie's throat just in the mo in the, millisecond before he's killed the spin doctor then picks up the knife and is then immediately mm. shot everyone else is part mm. of a melee yeah yeah so yeah. yeah um so the three yeah the three that we see killed in a close-up are yeah douchebag numero uno douchebag numero That's uno nice. liar numero uno uh all these hypocrisy and i suppose yeah discount crispin glover looks like he would be a believer as well which is potentially why he survives the initial melee yeah um and then the melee itself is almost a little bit underwhelming it does it it again feel a little bit kind of like look we have to get to the last standoff you know, we have to get to Grillo versus neo-nazi barbie we have to put her in peril, yeah. peril to get her out of peril Mm. Um, yeah so yeah but I don't think this film series is ironically I don't think it's about big organised fight scenes so if for me it's it's what it should be because this isn't about one army against another mm. one set of trained people against another this is about the violence is about the violence of normal everyday people well that's very true whereas yeah. actually actually these trained um, soldiers on both sides for want of a better term 
would be as efficient as possible in terms of just get the job done there's no theatricality there's no so I think it's possible we've become and I'm not suggesting it's the greatest fight scene I've ever seen in my life but I think it's possible because we're so now accustomed to the theatricality of the violence which is so intrinsic to what it is that actually when we see people who do this for a living or train for this for a living it's about getting the job done yeah yeah I mean the 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 final dust up between Grillo and Neo Nazi Barbie. I mean, I suppose arguably these two professionals mm. need never have actually physically touched. Because yeah. there would always be another gun hidden somewhere or there would be a contingency plan for the contingency plan for the contingency plan. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things I was like, oh, love that there was a plan F earlier on. Um, yeah. And uh, there was one, funnily enough, I have a comparison that I didn't see coming. The Dark Knight, which this mm-hmm. film is not, um, mm-hmm. the Joker gets off a fantastic mm-hmm. line just at the end. Did you really think I would hang, you know, hang my final hopes on a punch up with you? Yeah. You know, what happens if you took me out? Yeah. You could easily win this confrontation. Um, now, there's there's more to it than that there, there is there is some contrivances to get them to face each other and unfortunately uh, Mr Bishop pays the price in this one mm. um, and I I think I'm fine with the way his character goes I think it's 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 okay well I think he's fine with it he is the unprofessional professional soldier as in he's not conscripted yeah. or anything uh, which I realise is enough opposite of what I just said but mm. you know he has been shot he knows time is running out okay what well, I'll do well I'll make it count and he does with his one act yeah, he takes that, out two that's soldiers it. that's it it's make it count I think he went into it willing to do whatever it took in a way that she never was and we can go back to her naivety and, and all the rest of it he saw what needed to be done so I'm okay with it because I believe he came across as okay within himself. Um, I think thematically, if let let's say there wasn't well, see the fourth film is a prequel, so we can actually put that hmm. in its own slot for a second. In a way, the violence sort of all like all of the violent elements kind of have to destroy each other for the peaceful element hmm. to make it through. And that's not to say that he's the last death in the film; he isn't, but. He's very close to being the last death in the film. Um, yeah. And it is it is telling that the ones who die after this, with the exception of, there is one panicked villager, which is a bit of a cruel description of him, I know, but they, they free uh, a potential sacrifice. And it's, again, they, they needed somebody to dash. Panicked villager, yeah. got the thing. But other than him everyone else who dies is either violent themselves or has raised the flag to say I have come from a violent past mm. you know it's the uh, it's just telling that those are the characters who when in what is left of the runtime, they die mm. yeah because again it goes back to what we were talking about at the start the idea that at the end of the day middle America middle class college educated we want palatable if we didn't have to get our hands dirty ourselves which we probably didn't be by very nature of the privileged positions we find ourselves in 
that we don't we know it happened but we don't really want to kind of acknowledge it and go there like if anyone if anyone reads the history books to figure out where some societies got to where they are today you know i i will sound like a diehard liberal here and i'm totally fine with that there's not one of us if you go back far enough there's not one of us doesn't have the legacy of blood in our hands and it's about yeah. you need to own that and you need to do something with that um mm. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and you should be uncomfortable yes uh, comfort breeds stagnation stagnation can be a very very dangerous thing you know we see it in the world today we see it particularly in these films um and i'm going to give you the floor for a second joe Joe, 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 as we said, the moment he comes on, he's a target on his back, right? He is remarkably well-rounded. Yep. I agree. And and in a non... In the same way that, that we said that some of the dialogue can be a bit clunky and a bit on the nose because we need to get... I actually find that it's not too expositiony. We get bits of him threaded throughout. Do you know what I mean? Like when we find out when he does the, the, the gang whistle in order to to get the gang and yeah, save them all and the rest of it when he gives little tidbits to, to Marcos about his history and who he was and this and you know when he kind of t- then goes on and talks about the shop and the importance of the shop and and all of that like it, I, I really like the way the way um, they do his character and I also really like the fact and maybe this is on the nose maybe this is romantic in me I don't know what it is but I like the fact that he wants to believe in Charlie from the beginning. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He wants things to change. The, the shop has the, the 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 election sticker for her outside and all the rest of it, right? He wants change, but he doesn't believe it's going to happen. As of, And you juxtapose that with Marcos, who's like pure um, idealist and really thinks she can win because from the beginning he's working out if she wins Florida, if she wins this, if she wins this, mm. whatever. Um, so I really like that at the end he believes in her you know and he look the death is kind of silly because he should have had the time to shoot the priest with the with the right okay right but he's regained his hope so so that practicality aside which just was a niggly little thing um he reclaims his hope and his faith you know it for me it's very fitting for the film to end on this as opposed to what it has done in the previous two with the ending at 7am where magically we don't shoot you and we've talked about how silly that can be and it's like oh okay cool let's up you know whatever um i think it's fitting to end on this because it is it's a new dawn is it in a lot of ways because marcos is gonna go and rebuild the shop she's gonna go on and win her election as we talked about violent past and history and all of that it's it is a sense of a moving on from that and a changing of the guard changing times that kind of a thing it's the only death in the in the whole series that every time i've seen that film about three or four times now and it makes me cry because to be honest he he gives a lovely performance but it, it it just gets to me because it is heartbreaking that he has gotten to this point he has regained his faith and he still goes because even if you compare him to the father and grandfather in 
the previous film who is a failing health and he sacrifices himself mm. in order to get money for his family and all of that you can see parallels there in terms of he is a man who just doesn't see things changing and he you know he's doing the best he can in, in his case it's it's sacrificing himself for, for financial gain for financial stability not gain that's unfair for financial stability mm. for his family um, in in the case of Joe it's about you know his shop that he's work, worked for they very much give the impression he's all about taking in the waifs and the strays and helping them out and changing things you get the impression that if Candy Girl wasn't such a wench he'd be like do you know what hon work a few hours here during the week and let's let's talk through your let's talk through your issues yeah. do you know what I mean that's his life that's what he's trying to do and he but he's lost his faith and his hope completely reasonably but he does get it back at the end might be me being overly romantic about the whole thing might be a bit white saviory complex absolutely I, I you know I, I would take that criticism um, if that were levelled at me but for me it works and I like it team Joe team Joe yep no I I, I agree we're, we're, we're team Joe we're team Joe here yeah Um, I very I, I very much appreciate that Lainey and Charlie both survive the night because yeah. I got, like we said at the start I feel that they are very much two sides of the one coin um, mm-hmm. Dante gets the big exit of the violence uh, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad they didn't kill off Lainey um, because I think it wouldn't have made any sense to kill off no, Lainey I not think really. she has so much potential Dante has been doing this for years in order to end the purge, but what she mm. has been doing this for years in order to just just keep people safe, just do your best, just just do your bits, and you get the impression that now she's going to continue doing yep. that. Well, that's she is for for me. She is a success story. She started yeah. as a diehard purger and is now mm. staunchly opposed. Charlie mm. for very valid reasons has always been opposed to the purge mm-hmm. um and as has dante been but dante continued the violence mm-hmm. charlie was always a pacifist laney is the only one who did both and she has elected a peaceful life yeah i wish they gave us a little bit more on, there's the implication that Joe helped her to stop being a perjurer, but I wish they gave us a little bit more on how, why, when, where. Mm, like what? What was the reason? Do you know? What Did she have a similar backstory no. to Charlie? Only she chose. She chose violence. Yeah, I mean the thing is, they couldn't give us too much of her being a murderer because again, make her nice and palatable to us. Exactly. You know, we'd have to feel like even it's Grillo in the in the in the second film where we're like, you know, well, he's trying to kill the man who's the reason his child is dead. Do you know what I mean? You got to give us the sob story. You got to be the X Factor ready, right? So they would have absolutely had to do that in order for us to go. Okay, we're on we're on Team Laney now. So maybe that's why they didn't do it. Um, I do wish there was a little bit more in terms of why, but I do really, really, I really appreciate the fact that she's come she's totally done a 180 in terms of not being a perjurer anymore but she maintains her strength and her fearlessness that she would have had to have as a perjurer yes very true because you see so many particularly in this film um, and obviously dotted throughout the other two before this 
you see so many people who are caught up in the moment, who are the candy girls, who are the mm. disgusting al- alpha male, I'm doing uh, rabbit ears here, of the previous film. Um, mm. They are going mad for the sake of going mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas to survive this, you know, you might survive this year, but what about next year? You've got to have a plan. You know, you've got to have the nerves of steel to go for the next 12 hours. You know, I am X, I am Y. So we come out of it, as you say, this is the first film of the three where we don't get the siren to say the purge has ended. What we do get is Charlie winning the election. So we jump forward to May and... Which annoys me. Why do they just... Like, so much of it is paralleling with the American political system. Why isn't that November? What's your list? God, don't you? Um, And, yeah, and then as kind of the closing shot it's kind of the coda if you like is Marcus and Lainey are in they're you know Marcus is rebuilding Joe's store it's now Marcus's store mm-hmm. um, he has what I I appreciate that it is a good closing shot on an American flag because so many films do bad closing shots on American flags <clears throat> Spider-Man Sam Raimi trilogy I'm looking directly at you here um <laughs> And because you hear the news reports going, this is fantastic, she's won Florida, and then just as the fade to black happens, we get violent protests have broken out. Exactly, exactly. And it's both, look, there might be a sequel, lads, which there is, which we will discuss when we get a chance to watch that. And um, it's also, as we know from real life, you know, these hardline ideologies don't go away because of an election result in the same way that you made the point before just because the final purge bell goes off doesn't mean you put the gun down straight away yeah but i mean it's it's the same for you know even less extremist stuff like if you vehemently support one political party or particular politicians or a particular way of thinking or whatever it is and that's who you always vote for and then the direct opposite get into government even though i don't suggest you're gonna go out there and violently protest but you're still gonna be supporting whoever you support until the next election cycle exactly do you know what i mean we don't just change our ideology because of who happens to be in power and the reality is it's going to take a very very long time for considering that the purge has gone on for so long for the country to heal and to even to understand what it is if it doesn't purge yeah, and, and and you mentioned obviously earlier the children who have grown up only ever knowing that yeah. March 21st it First, yeah, I think is so. yeah. the purge. So like, you know, mm. does anyone ever go out again on that night? Does any, you know, these kind of things. And yeah. th- I think there is, uh, there is an idea in that. There is a sequel in that. And as I say, remains to be seen what the forever purge ends up being. Um, haven't haven't yet had a chance to watch it. It looks more survivally. It does look like a bit. A I've small... I've seen that the the synopsis is, mm. you know, there is a last outpost of the purge. Basically, are refusing yeah. to let go. So it doesn't fill me I with hope. Rathered, no, I would have rathered watch what happens in the intervening years. What happens the next year when you're actually going to get those people going into cities and causing havoc because that that's what they that's what they would want to do is cause havoc in cities where bigger body count or whatever do you then deploy the army on those nights does it become a night of martial law 
Exactly. Is it now going to be a thing that, that you're going to have to have martial law or are you going to have members of the police force or the army or fire service doctors whoever it is who are actually going to say well actually this has always been our night off this has been our good friday i'm not working you know what i mean like there's a huge amount of issues going on there um or even does it go even further and say all members of the emergency services must be anti-purge to have a job in the emergency service because sure we couldn't trust you that night yeah so like you know what I mean I, I actually think that could be a more interesting film I don't know this last outpost is a bit like alright you just want another but for me it has never been about chopping up the bodies do you know what I mean it's one thing I think the film the film series as a whole has been very good at that like yes it as I say it, it has its gratuitous violence it has incredibly violent scenes and you know yeah but it's not slasher porn it's n- it's not so like don't yeah that's the for for all of them even the the first one which in my opinion is the weakest of the series uh just because they hadn't had a chance to develop any of the ideas i think i i've made that point in the in the previous uh, yeah even that doesn't go in for well you've got a night where you can do anything grant get a chainsaw you know um but but i think we have now spoken about this film for six minutes longer than the running time of this film. Um, oh. So I think it's probably... A, <laughs> You're not supposed to do it. Uh, well, well, listen, I, I hope anyone is still listening. Um, are there any closing comments that you would, just, just before I wrap things up, that we, that we haven't covered? Oh, I just want to come back to the glasses thing because I mentioned it at the you start. Yes, yeah, just something that's important to me, yeah. Because I know I mentioned this the last time. So obviously Charlie wears glasses. Um, whereas in throughout she wears, as you can see because you're looking at me right now, she wears quite large glasses. Um, and she's wearing them until the point where she's abducted. She's taken out of the van um, and brought into the church and her glasses fall off in that moment. And for me, as a sight deficient person, I don't know, um, it's a really powerful moment because and it's it has to be deliberate like she's been wearing her glass the whole time like this you know what i mean it's deliberate um it's about this extra layer of vulnerability or it's the first time she's really on her own or the the kind of the wall or the framing of literally having frames on your face that kind of extra security that kind of naivety call it whatever you want that's gone and can you imagine how look it would be terrifying in the first place to be like up there in front of the perjurers but could you imagine if you couldn't see properly so for me it's just a really striking moment it's like the absolute pinnacle of her vulnerability no I really like that because yeah because what's the thought that's running your head you know instead of oh shit how do I get away it's oh shit how do I get away you know if yeah Uh, but yes thank you very much for raising that point because I think it it is an excellent point because yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's it's another wound but yes, let me, let me release our dear listeners. Thank you so much for sticking with us for as long as you have. Sorry. Not at all, not at all. Carol, thank you so, so much. If everyone, and they should, want to reach out and find you. Well, that is one good thing, actually, about the re-record of this, is that when we did the last one, you were planning a yeah. podcast. I was. Yes. And now I'm 13 episodes in, I think. Yeah, I um, think so, yeah. Yeah, one of which features your darling self, which I'm so grateful for. Yes, I have. That sounded really sarcastic. It's not like I genuinely mean. Oh, that. that's right. I, I might really just pretend to delete the file again. Don't worry. 
<laughs> um, so no, we have to resume recording this time. Never again. Um, but because not only have we spent a few minutes longer than the film runtime talking about it, because we've done this podcast twice, That's true. we've spent twice as long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, I I have a podcast. It's called Irish Theatre Play. You can find it on wherever you get your your podcasts. We also have a, an Instagram account called Irish Theatre Play, where you will find it and me. Um, I'm just at Carol Quigley on Instagram. It's probably the best way to find me, or Google me, and you get all my work email or whatever. Um, yeah, Irish Theatre Play. It's it's a bit of crack. It was, you know, started as a way of kind of just having conversations about theatre and the arts, particularly kind of during COVID times and all the rest of it. Um, started as kind of a, a pilot project that I was doing with members of my department where I was interviewing them about various different things about theatre I have since gone on to realise that like well I'm kind of living what I what I want to do was to use the podcast in order to show people that actually doing a theatre degree means there's nine bazillion different career opportunities for you I am now living that reality because I've realised week to week as I literally just go through my phone and text mates who I went to college with and who are now working in the arts that I have managed to cover directors, writers, um, playwrights, novelists like yourself, you know, producers, theatre managers, lighting designers, all the rest of it. So actually, yeah, that's what we're doing. So if you've any interest in listening to me shite on about theatre and the arts, you shall find me there. Excellent. I'm, I promise I'm going to stop talking. We've, I've hit the, we've hit the two hour marks. We need to great. Go. It's cool. Uh, I will I will link that in the description <laughs> for this episode uh, because I am a listener. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, and thank you so much everyone for joining us. Uh, whether you th- if you're still not awake, I don't think anyone could have slept through that. But if you're okay, if you're okay, please join us again next week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider heading over to Patreon forward slash Sean Ferrick, where you can join the club, you can get updates, and you can stay ahead of the other purgers who think they're going to get you. Uh, We will be back next week. We will be covering the prequel, The First Purge, uh, which may either be the next episode or whenever I really decide to release it, because I'm just kind of fickle like that. Um, In the meantime, Carol, thank you so much again. Thank you. It's been delightful. It It has been very nice. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll be back next week. I've been Sean, and you've been awesome.